introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, pitches it. This. To oh, Mo Williams. Touchdown. You gotta be kidding me. And welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we back. We're supposed to be here with the full crew. You can guess who's not here on time. So we're just going to get this thing rolling along with who is already here. Last week, we were missing both of y'all. So QB1, my man, I know you're kind of busy, but how you doing? How you been? I'm good, man. Been busy as hell, but busy is a good thing. Watching this App State and Louisiana Lafayette game right now. I'm scouting a couple guys to write some reports. So, always busy as usual. The grind don't stop. Well, I mean, I know that you, you know, we talked a little bit about the new pod and seeing your, your face pop up on my timeline now. What's going on, man? What you been working on? What's the next thing we should be looking at for, for JR here, man? Yeah, so of course we have the Josh and Jordan podcast already uh, with myself and former NFL quarterback Josh Johnson. Uh, we're slated to announce another podcast here coming soon with me and Jonah Tolls from the Draft Network called Locked On College Football. So that's slated to launch next week, next Monday. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure you subscribe and leave a five-star review if you can. Boom, boom, boom. The grind does not stop. Another week, another podcast for JR, but we are glad he can still make time for us to come here. Give us this Viking-specific analysis. And wide receiver one, we were trying to get a flu game out of you last week, but, you know, it took you out. How you feeling, man? How you doing? I had some takes, too, so I'm... I'm feeling I'm feeling good now, but well, I hope you still got them chambered up because those are some good takes. And, you know, I mean, that story has not died all the way yet. So if, if they're still there, if you're still feeling them, you can still fire them off, man. No, didn't you hear Dig- Diggs is good. It ain't no problems. You, we we misheard him. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, you said the name and I know you did have some takes. You've been you've been. We don't have to go all the way down, you know, the path, but, you know, Diggs did have his presser. We are recording this here on Wednesday night. Diggs talked to the press today. You know, they went digging. They were trying to to get him to say something. And as you said, he did a good job of deflecting things. But, Miles, I'm interested because I know that you had some opinions some thoughts about what might have been going on behind the scenes or some of the underlying reasons or concerns that may have been frustrating Diggs beyond the fact that, you know, we just weren't throwing the ball um, as much as we probably should have been to our best players who are our wide receivers. No disrespect to Dalvin Cook. Uh, so what are your thoughts? What did you see uh, season, I guess, leading up to last week and then even in last week's game that uh, that could have potentially been at the root of uh, some of the frustration for Stefan Diggs? I mean, I, I'll give him outside of the, the wanting to win thing. I mean, of course, I, I think that's pretty known. I think Diggs is uh, I think the way he competes, the way he does everything, I, I don't think that's I don't think he's lying about that at all. I'm sure that's really frustrating for him to lose and then to not get the ball when you lose is a big probably a big thing for him. Um my whole thing and I think to be honest, watching the Giants game, uh the Vikings won, so there's no issues, no problems, you know, everything's uh everything's gravy. But to me, watching that offense roll, uh that's where I really feel where Diggs' frustrations could really be, where the heart of it, where the heart of it could be, you know, we know Adam Thielen's a great receiver. Uh, I mean, we all know it. He was all pro, all pro last year. 
Um, he puts up the numbers. He gets open. He makes great uh, contested catches and uh, really good route runner, all that. So, like, this is this means no disrespect to Adam Thielen. Um, but Stephon Diggs literally gets to sit there and watch the Vikings run their entire pass offense through Adam Thielen. Uh, they set him up for this, the most success. They they let him run all the clearing routes, all the excuse me, all the crossing routes, all the all the number one read read routes. So the the ones where the the quarterback is looking to Thielen on the as as his first read on most of his routes. Uh, you saw it last week. That's why he had two touchdowns. He had what seven catches for over a hundred yards in those two touchdowns. While Diggs and the Vikings put up over three hundred yards passing, while Diggs was out there for three for forty four or whatever it was. Um, but you saw Diggs get open a lot per usual. Um, so to me, that, that, that's, that's got to be at the part of the heart of it. Like, we know Diggs and Thielen are boys, uh, and Diggs has even said, like, that's his guy. It's not, it's not about Thielen not eating and, and, you know, and doing well and, and seeing targets, but it's the fact that you can see the favoritism. You can see them catering toward Thielen, the hometown hero. Um, you, you can see it in the offense. You can see the... Thielen's playing that number one receiver role while Diggs plays second fiddle, but Diggs is getting open on a consistent basis, but he's not seeing the ball. And I'd be frustrated as hell at that too. All you could do is, is do your job, and that means get open. That means win one-on-one matchups. Wow. Um, and, and just compete. And that's, that's all Diggs is doing. But then you, you continue to do that week in and week out, and you watch the offense continue to revolve around Thielen and Thielen's balling. So like, there's no problem with that, but you think there'd be a little bit more of an equal, equal share of the, of the pot as you will, but there really hasn't seemed to be that way. Uh, at least this year, more than, more than I think we saw last year, even the last year, you definitely saw Thielen get um, the majority of the easy, I don't even call them easy, but like first read routes or the routes that, um, they're designed for that specific receiver to, to get open. Um, we haven't seen a lot of that from, from Diggs. Again, just him getting to play second fiddle. But in my opinion, I think Diggs is more of a, is, can do a little bit more than, than Thielen. Um, and, and, and I'm really not trying to take any way, anything away from Thielen because I know he's a baller. He's proven it. Um, I just think Diggs is a little bit more of a dynamic playmaker. And I, I believe that, um, He's a guy that you should be scheming for a little bit more often than they have been, and I can guarantee that's a big part of his frustration. I mean, they paid him all that money last offseason, and pretty much he took a discount, and they told him, I don't know this for sure, but, I mean, if Diggs is going to take a disc- a hometown discount, you would expect there to be some like, oh, hey, like we're going to make sure you get the ball. We're going to make you the feature of this of this passing game, blah, blah, blah. Um, they put incentives in his contract. Basically, you hit these benchmarks, you get paid more money. Um, and then six months later, they go out and they hand Thielen a bigger contract than Diggs. Uh, they make him the f- feature of the offense last year and, and in this year. Um, so I totally would understand the frustration. Like He's basically like, why would I have re-upped to stay in Minnesota if I had known that this was going to be the play where I'm going to play second fiddle? Uh, when I know that I'm just as good or better than, than feeling. So um, I, I could totally understand the frustration. And, and to me, that's probably where I believe the heart of it is. And then you, then you, you tack on 
the quarterback <laughs> having some, some major issues, some major issues like um, seeing ghosts in the pocket sometimes or missing mi- missing him downfield, open throws, not not taking as many chances or opportunities to kind of let Diggs win one-on-one matchups. He's not giving them, him those aggressive opportunities the way we even saw like a Case Keenum do. Uh, Bradford did it case. at times. Like, yeah, but like, we, but Diggs and Thielen have proven that they can win those matchups more times than not. So give them like you giving them those high risk throws don't become as high risk when you're doing it to a Thielen or a Diggs. So you would you would think that Cousins would kind of learn. All right, I can I could be a little bit more aggressive with those two guys because the risk is isn't as high. So I don't know that. To me, it's, I know it's a lot. Yeah, no, no, it's a lot. You, you brought up it. some really good points there, and you actually touched on a couple of things, and, and I want to get JR in because obviously you're, you're coming at it from a perspective I think a lot of people have, have kind of hinted at, but you came at it you know, very directly from the perspective of someone who's you know, played wide receiver. Wide receivers, they don't get a lot of opportunities. Uh, you know, they're, they're often cast as selfish, but it's really that you know, they don't get a lot of opportunities. They want to make impact. And that's something that you could actually hear, you know, last week when Diggs was speaking is like, you know, I want opportunity. I want to be able to showcase my talents. Wasn't really getting those. But there's a couple of things there. And Eric uh, Eager talked about it on the, the Pocket Protectors podcast that, you know, opposing defenses, just the way the offense is set up and the way that they're coming at it are very often rolling coverage towards Stefan Diggs uh, or giving help towards the, the person who's guarding Stefan Diggs. Like they're treating him as the number one wide receiver. And what Eric brought up was that it was similar to, you know, in the past where you had, you know, Jake Reed eating because he was playing with, you know, Chris Carter or Randy Moss and things like that, where like the number two wide receiver uh, gets to rack up stats or the, you know, in this case, the one A, one B, whatever you want to do it. They're both very good wide receivers, but the receiver who's not getting as much attention from the opposing defense is racking, is able to rack up stats just because it's you know smart for the offense to attack the weaker points of, of the opposing defense. So JR, where I want to get you in here is from a quarterback's perspective, like we get why Diggs is, is um, might be frustrated, but in terms of how you design an offense, if defenses are, are scheming to make it more difficult to get Diggs involved, uh, aren't the Vikings just doing the, the smart thing by running the offense through their other really good receiver who's getting better matchups? Yeah, and you raise a great point just because I think it is a slippery slope. And sometimes these receivers have to be sacrificial in order for other guys to eat. And that's exactly what Stefan Diggs is doing right now. And that's what, that's exactly what happened last game as well. They ran a lot of clear-out concepts where Diggs was the guy running the over and Adam Thielen was more of the clear-out. Or I should I flipped that. Sorry, I had it backwards. So Stefan Diggs was the guy clearing it out for Adam Thielen running a bunch of the over routes but from the opposite side of, of the field. So – What's happening is Stefan Diggs is running vertical and Adam Thielen is clearing out or Stefan Diggs is clearing out the defense for Adam Thielen to run underneath. So like Miles said, they're trying to get the ball to Diggs, but Adam Thielen is the guy that who is really the guy that they're targeting in the offense right now. And it makes a lot of sense just because I think teams probably respect Diggs a little bit more than Thielen as far as a route runner and breaking a game open. And that's no disrespect to Adam Thielen at all. I think Stephon Diggs is the better wide receiver of the two, even though it is a neck-and-neck battle. But the way teams scheme the Vikings, it seems like they have more respect for Diggs and how he can break open games as opposed to Thielen in the way that they guard him. So with Stephon Diggs, he's a receiver, man. Their emotions change from week to week. We've already seen it. Last week, he was basically demanding a trade, even though he didn't come out and say that. He was on the fence about it. And then this week, he says he wants to stay in Minnesota. So – 
this is going to be a week-to-week thing. That's the things you have to deal with with a star receiver. And this isn't the first time that this has happened. It happens to most of the star receivers throughout the league, even though they don't come out and show as much emotion as Stephon Diggs might have last week. You've seen plenty of previous examples where they have been disgruntled in the past where they want to be more involved in the offense or they're just dissatisfied with their role. And that's exactly what Stefan Diggs is complaining about right now. But he just wants to win at the end of the day and he wants to be involved in the offense. But as far as Kirk Cousins missing some open uh, shots down the field to him, yes, it is very frustrating. And I feel him on that just because it feels like you're exercising out there. And what I mean by that is you're just running routes and not getting the ball. And it's not showing up in the stat sheet. So he just has to be more patient, I would say. And just understand that just like last year, there's going to be games where he has 20 yards or 30 yards. But there's going to be some games where he has 120 yards or 130 yards. He just has to wait his turn just because the Vikings have so much on offense and so many weapons. And then you have to add in the factor of Dalvin Cook as well. He's getting a lot of carries, but not only carries, he's getting a lot of passing receptions as well. So that's eating into Diggs production, too. And you know we got to run those Kyle Rudolph screens to really, really uh, open things up, to really get the offense going as those Kyle Rudolph screens keep people honest. <laughs> please, free, free Jared, Aaron Smith, one la- please. <laughs> one last question for you, because this is something that I've also seen, is uh, could there be something to the idea or the thought that uh, Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen maybe just have more chemistry than um, – Stefan Diggs and Kirk Cousins. And what does that actually mean? Because you hear that thrown around a lot, like those two receivers. You sometimes hear it when people talked about Big Ben and, and Antonio Brown. They just know how to go off script and figure things out. They just had a feel for what the other guy was going to do. Uh, what does that mean? And is that something that maybe you've seen in terms of, um, you know, how Kirk and, and Adam uh, play when, you know, maybe something goes off script or, or, you know, they need to just make a play? And it's kind of something that's undescribable, in my opinion, just because, Having chemistry with the receiver is all about timing. And the more you're around a guy, you're basically knowing what he's going to think. And that's what happened with Big Ben and Antonio Brown. They were with each other so long. They knew what each other was thinking without even making eye contact in a sense. So maybe that's something that Thielen and Cousins do have, but we've seen them disconnect a lot of times as well. But their chemistry seems to be picking up. But, yeah, it seems like the chemistry is much better between him and Cousins as opposed to Diggs and Cousins. But I think it's a week-to-week thing. We could see the chemistry between Diggs and Cousins pick up one week and then disconnect between Thielen and Cousins. And I don't think it's necessarily a sense that one's chemistry is better than the other. I just think one week it's this guy's week to eat, and then another week it could be this guy's week to eat. So I don't think the chemistry is all balance or – in favor of one or the other. I just think it just depends on whose week it is to eat. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, he finally did join us. Uh, I guess, you know, he he looked down, found a, a watch or something, and, and, and is here to, to get some takes in. And we're throwing you right into the fire, Saxy Prince, because uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, made the news. And no, we're not going to talk about Donald Trump here. It's not that kind of podcast, at least not today. Uh, but he, uh, he had some comments about needing to uh, – channel his his anger or confidence um be more like that you like that Kirk Cousins um coming out of this game with the Giants and then actually Diggs made a comment as well in terms of you know Kirk just needing to play more confidently Zim in, in recent weeks has also kind of spoken to, to Kirk uh you know being at his best when his confidence is, is is high I guess when you when you hear these things you know what are your thoughts in terms of um 
I guess, yeah, Kirk's confidence now being something that, that we're, we're talking about or that other players are, are, are referencing. Um, and his confidence in the way that Kirk's describing is something that you feel uh, can be turned on or, or, or turned off or, or, or however, or, or is it just something that, you know, is innate and, you, and you're running with, you know, week to week as you get out there? No, you play quarterback in the National Football League. Like, I expect my quarterbacks, not as, as much as corners, uh, but I expect them to kind of be a-holes and arrogant in the way that they operate and stuff. Brady is an a-hole. Roethlisberger is an a-hole. Cam can be an a-hole. Russ isn't an a-hole, but he's, uh, you, you know, there's something underneath all of that, you know, the, the stuff that he has there. Uh, that's not something that I want, ever want from. Bro, Russ, Russ is a yeah, dog, But I'm man. saying, you know how he plays in the media, right? He, he doesn't always uh, come out the, the same way that some of these other guys does. So, no, I... He's with yeah, Sierra. I know. He's he, changed, he, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. But I, I feel no, like I, when we I, talk I, about Russ, we got to talk about Russ pre Sierra and post Sierra because pre Sierra yeah, Russ right. was a different guy. <laughs> Russ, after having some sex, is is a completely different man. Cornrows. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things that absolutely not. I, I never want my quarterback to be turning on and off his confidence. Like I want him to be one of the most arrogant guys in the room because that's gonna that's gonna make that's gonna drive him to perform week in and week out constantly. And I, the fact, you know what's you know what's funny about that, yeah. Prince. Real quick, sorry to interrupt. Sometimes I think Cousins, he comes off as this very confident guy. Like you listen to, like I'll, I'll listen to some of the snippets of his little podcast just to kind of see the stuff that's that's being talked about. And he definitely comes off as this like I'm a bigger name or I'm a better I'm better than you kind of personality. That's how I feel sometimes. Like. He had BC Johnson on his podcast, what, today or yesterday or whatever. And he definitely, it definitely felt like he was like the, and we obviously know BC Johnson is a seventh round rookie. So like, he's not known, he's not established in the NFL, but like, it definitely felt like Kirk was talking to him. Like, like he is like, I'm way up here, dude, you're way down here. And I'm like, Kirk, you haven't done shit. And I don't know, but yeah, sometimes it feels like he feels like he's like at this I'm I'm bigger than than you type of mentality, but I feel you. What? Yeah, I, I Miles agree came with, Miles. with the heat right there. I, I I think, yeah, no, he just said his little podcast. <laughs> that's how no, so that's how you know you come from a a, a black family because you know when your mom is trying to throw shade or whatever the case is. Because what will she say? Oh, how how are you and your little girlfriend doing or whatever the case is? <laughs> when she adds little to the beginning of a sentence, y'all, you know she's throwing shade. So the, dis- <laughs> the disrespect is real. I, but, but for real though, like most people, most people, like you see so many people say, stick to football, do all this, do all that, yada, yada. I, I would never tell an athlete to do that. But like most people, you'd see them freak out and be like, why isn't he concentrating on football? Why isn't he blah, blah, blah? Why isn't he trying to be better? He shouldn't be doing this stupid podcast during the season. Um, I don't care to be honest, but at the same time, it's like, I, I know Kirk's trying to create this persona about him, and he wants people to like him, but, man, I just, I don't it's know. Because oh, Kirk, it's because I'll Kirk Jason is, that is one. heavily insecure. He's, he's really insecure. <laughs> and, and as far as my quarterback, my franchise guy, I don't, I don't want that. You know, you can say what you want as far as Teddy and stuff, but you knew that he always had a cold confidence about himself. You never questioned if he felt as if he was the guy to go and do it. You always felt that Teddy knew he was going to 
you know, lead the, the troops in, in a battle. You felt that about Brett Favre. Um, it, at times, you even felt that with Case. Like, Case is just like, Case. Bro, Case, Case had all the confidence in the world. The, the head coach Case has him, the confidence the now. The head coach would tell him that he's not his guy. He, he's living, he's lucky, he has a horseshoe, all that other stuff. It's like, all right, cool. Watch this every week. But we don't have that same dog and cousins and stuff. And I don't want to keep keep on the point. But it, to answer your question, Jason, uh, no, it's not something that you can just turn on and off. It's it, it is definitely something that you have to you just have to have, and you have to have this arrogance. And I, I for people who aren't at at that level, they sometimes get turned off by arrogance and and that confidence and stuff. But that's what the best corners in the league. They all have that 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 swag. Uh, a lot of the best quarter uh, cornerbacks and then the best quarterbacks in the league have that swag and wide receivers. So I want him to have that dog in him each and every week if he, if it really exists, um, and not really care what the what he quote unquote the haters are trying to say about him. Like don't focus on any. Of All right. Um, and then they, I have okay. One get final it, man. Get it. And it was about what you guys were just just talking about. Um, I don't believe uh, this offense is ever going to. Uh, truly be a threat of an offense with Stefan Diggs as wide receiver two next to Adam Thielen. That's my take. Um, I think that I think there's a ceiling with Adam Thielen as the number one wide receiver being fed the way that he's being fed. Um, if they don't figure that they need to switch the roles with Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, trust me, we're going to have a lot more offensive performances like we had the last few weeks than we had last week against the bad team. Okay, so. Hold on, Miles, because I, I want to ask you a question. I actually Real want your take on, on this. Uh, I need uh, your take because no, uh, no one's been able to really answer yeah. this for me thus far. Uh, you know, it's pretty much we do more of what we're doing. We'll eventually hit on those big shots. But, like, when you have a talent like Stefan Diggs, what should they actually be doing to get him more involved? Like, how should they be adjusting the offense to feature Stefan Diggs more so than, than what they're doing right now? Like, they legit could just – interchange like him and Thielen. It doesn't have to be, oh, Thielen's stuck at doing this one role all game. Like, both guys can do both things. Like, that's the, that's, the, that's the thing about both of them. They're different receivers in the fact that, yes, Diggs is a little bit more of a dynamic playmaker and better after the catch. Um, but both guys can play in the slot. Both guys can win one-on-one on the outside uh, at the same time. So, like, if like the things that they're asking Thielen to do, like we we saw against the Giants, Stephon Diggs can do that exact same thing. I don't like to me, Thielen can create some of those clearouts to allow Diggs open underneath and let Diggs get some of the run after the catch because Diggs is better at it. So I like to me, adjust your offense so that you're interchanging these guys to and, and at the same time you're keeping defenses on their toes because they're seeing. Diggs do it every once in a while, and then you're seeing Thielen do it every once in a while. It's never the same, but right now it feels like the same because all you see is Diggs playing on the ball, not moving, not moving the round in the formation, not doing any of that. He's just a fixed receiver right now, and yes, he can win, and, and you see it all the time. He's winning in those routes, but he's not the primary target in a lot of those uh, pass concepts. So to me, I don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't just interchange them or try to find a way to get your quarterback to look off of the first read if it's not there and but you know that's a different story okay last thing on this jr i want to get you in here uh 
are we maybe making too much of this? Because when you go and you look at like, you know, airyards.com, shout out to Josh Hermsmeyer. Uh, you know, yes, Thielen has more yards, 309 receiving yards to 253. He has some more air yards, 382 to 327. But like the disparity isn't enormous. Like their market share, Thielen has 42% of the air yards, Diggs 36, 24% of the targets to 18% for Diggs. Like, yeah, there's a gap, but it's not a huge gap. Um, I guess, yeah, what's, what's driving the perception maybe that things are, yeah, that, that the offense is running through Thielen when the numbers in terms of opportunity don't seem to be that different between the two players? Oh, that's a couple of things. Thielen has made a few more splash plays, especially first downs and then touchdowns, of course. He had a really nice touchdown in the back of the end zone last week. And then a bunch of digs yards came in the fourth quarter. I forgot. Chicago. That's the game that I'm thinking about. A lot of those came in late in the game against Chicago. So he hasn't made as many flash plays as Adam Thielen has. He's made some big catches as well. So that's why the perception has been so much. Or there's been a huge disparity between the two. And then, of course, the entire drama that came prior to the game last week against the Giants. All right. Well, you mentioned the Giants game and, you know, this podcast is coming out towards the end of the week. Most of the other shows on the network will have really gone deep dive into, you know, the Giants and Vikings matchup in which the Vikings put the beat down on the Giants. But JR, rapid fire. uh, What was your one main takeaway from that game? Ooh, one main takeaway. Uh, I thought Kirk Cousins played better, but I mean, it is, that's what we expected just because this team is built to beat mediocre teams throughout the league. And that's what the Giants are right now. They're probably, I wouldn't say a bottom tier, but they're right. They're stuck right in between that mediocre and low tier. But now what we want to see is can they beat some of these upper echelon teams like we're playing against this week with this match that we're about to get into here soon with the Eagles. So, um, my biggest takeaway was it was happy to, it was good to see Kirk Cousins get back on schedule. All right, same thing to you, Rapid Fire Miles. What was your big takeaway from that game? Yeah, I just think it was good to see the 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 passing game kind of get into more of a rhythm. I didn't. I don't even. I think it was the best game passing wise that we've seen from Kirk all season. So that was just good to see. Like we talked about the confidence thing, uh, and then lastly. Just seeing some of the things the defense has still been able to do, um, generate all the pressures that they've been able to do uh, against offensive linemen and quarterbacks, and then uh, finally kind of create a turnover. And and I'll I'll hit on this last one too is Mike Hughes coming back to form, or even like is I think it was what his sixth or seventh career game, uh, maybe a little bit more than seven or eight, I don't know, but um, he looks that I mean he looks healthy. He he got rid of the knee brace, and that dude was all over the field. Uh, so that that to me, that's just like a, a really exciting thing to see. All right, bring me home, Prince. Uh, what was your big takeaway from the uh, the Giants game? Uh, just just that we clicked on all three phases. Um, the the I've I've said it before, but the Vikings are a team that they're we they're really talking about Dan Bailey. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you I'm want saying, kicker heavy analysis, just, you will have to go to Locked On vikings or uh exactly. you know you'll have to swing through our folks over at the norse code they love to talk about kickers so much so that they've adjusted the, the settings in their fantasy football league so that kickers play even more of a role so uh if you want kicker talk you know where to go yeah, sorry prince continue uh, no it's all good um the vikings uh, do what you're supposed to do you beat up on teams that aren't very good and uh the like miles was saying you want you want to see them 
uh, really compete with these, these these upper echelon just better teams and stuff. So knowing that the fact that they 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 put together a pretty complete game, offense, defense, special teams and stuff, uh, was was reassuring. All right, perfect. Well, with that said, there is another game. You know, and it's uh, it's almost like these teams have become like rivals. I guess it feels like we're playing them all the time. You know, obviously the playoffs. We know how that went a couple of years back, and then last year, go team. And now we have this year coming in where we get to really put coverage versus pass rush to uh, the test. Where the Eagles, great up front, secondary is in shambles. Uh, Jr., when you're looking at this matchup on paper, how do you think it's going to go? Really intriguing matchup just because the Eagles have been so inconsistent this year on both sides of the ball. I'm not sure what that was. The Eagles uh, have been. Pretty sure that was just Saxy Prince's uh, internet. He probably got in the elevator or something. I don't know. I don't know. What is, it's, it's always Prince if we have an issue. <laughs> the Eagles have been super inconsistent this year. If you remember in week one, they got out to the slow start against Washington where the Redskins, everyone thought the Redskins was going to beat them just because they got out to such a slow start. They lost to Atlanta, uh, Detroit, who they took another L to in back-to-back weeks, and then they come back, they beat Green Bay, and then they beat up on a really bad New York Jets team. So this is a team that has been super inconsistent on both sides of the ball, but one thing has stayed true, and that is their run defense. Their run defense has stayed up in the upper tier throughout the league just because Fletcher Cox, everybody knows how tough he is in the middle. But their secondary has not been good at all this year. So I think the passing game can get back. I don't want to say get back on track, but it can continue to have success and really feed off some of the momentum that they had from the Giants game. And I think they can have a lot of success. And I think this is one game where if they're looking to get Stefan Diggs on track, I think this is one game where they definitely can do that. So I'll be looking to see the chemistry between the passing game and if it is able to stay on track in this game. All right. And so, Miles, in, in this sort of a matchup where you have a team whose secondary is decimated, but they are able to get after the passer uh, and, and really shut down your run game, what are you going to be looking to see out of the Vikings offense to really go and exploit uh, this really banged up Eagle secondary? I mean, what they really should be doing is taking a blueprint from the 2017 NFC Championship game. I, I know this is kind of unconventional for the Vikings. They're not built to do this, really. but I don't think the Eagles were either back in 2017, but spread them out a little bit more. Uh, quick, pa- quick passes. The screen game is going to really be vital this week. Uh, some, a lot of those things, quick, quick hitting throws, quick timing throws to get the ball out of Kirk's hands, get the ball in the, your playmaker's hands. At this, but all, at the same time, to help slow down the pass rush. Uh, we know that the the run game's probably going to struggle a little bit this week, kind of similar to what they did against Chicago, but at least this time you know that they have a, a bad back end of the defense. The the safeties and the mainly the cornerbacks aren't very good or they're banged up. So they like you said, they should really be able to take advantage of that. Um but I believe if you spread them out a little bit, you can get you could create mismatches with well there are there's already gonna be mismatches with Thielen and Diggs, but you could create even more mismatches with I'll even say like a Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith, B C Johnson can get in the mix a little bit. And then at the same time, you could throw Dalvin in there a little bit, let him run out of the, the slot, out of the outside, and uh, just um, try different things. Like, to me, this is, this is where the, this offense doesn't have to be a – we're a three-tight end team. We're going to run it down their throats because we're a hard-nosed type of football team. No, you don't need to do that all the time. You can adjust your game plan to how a defense is 
to better beat that defense. And I believe to beat the Eagles, the best approach would be to spread them out, to slow down their pass rush, and to use the short passing game as kind of a way to run run the football. That's it's still a way to move the chains. It's a way to to gain chunk plays or even short, you know, four or five yards a a pop, um, kind of way you 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 want your run game to to do. Um, so it does all of that for you. So um, because you know you're not going to be able to run the ball as as efficiently. So that to me that'd be the, that'd be the approach I'd take. Okay, so uh, you know this again. You know it's a very important matchup. It's one that uh, huh, I didn't really realize it going in, but just based on some of the numbers that Eric shared on the on the Pocket Protectors uh, podcast, it's almost a must win game for the Vikings pretty early in the season, just based on what it would do to our chances of you know making the playoffs uh, if we do lose this game. So, Miles, I'll go to you first here. Uh, what are your thoughts on how this is going to go down, and how do you see the game ultimately going? Uh, yo, Vikings, Eagles, score. How do you see it? I, I, this is to me. This is probably the game that's. Oh, they're at home, so I feel like you got to give them a slight edge, just because they do generally play teams significantly better at home than they would on the road. Um, I believe the Vikings, if they continue to click in the passing game. They should they should have no not no problem but they should have uh, a fairly decent time on offense beating the beating the Eagles. Um, I'm gonna say that they're gonna win just because of the home field advantage and I believe um, their receivers in the passing game should really be the the part that elevates them the most. So I'll and on on the defensive side of the ball I believe. Um, I think they can do a better job of stopping the run. The Eagles want to try to do that too. They're similar offenses in the fact that they like to do the two di- two tight end sets. Uh, Zach Ertz probably worries me the most out of anybody on the field. Um, how we ma- how we match up against him is going to be vital to the game plan, just because he's really going to try to find openings through down the seam uh, and hit those the edges. He's really good on the the corner and post routes, so. I'm really curious to see how that goes, and then. Uh, but for me, I do believe the Vikings win because of that home field advantage. Um, I'll say 27-23 Vikings. All right, Jr. Same question to you. Uh, very important matchup. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, so like I was talking about earlier, you always want to see like how the Vikings react to some of the elite or upper echelon teams throughout the league. And I feel a bit better about this game just because it is a home game. Like Miles mentioned, I think that the Vikings are actually favorites in Vegas. I believe like three points right now, which was a bit surprising. I thought it would be probably one and a half or two or something like that. But uh, I want to see how they game plan for Carson Wentz. And if you remember, the Vikings just don't play really well against quarterbacks that can create off script or extra opportunities with keeping them in the pocket. And Russell Wilson is always a prime example that I like to use. We really struggle with quarterbacks that are able to create those extra opportunities. And that's what Carson Wentz has really lived on this year for the most part. And I think you have to hit him. You have to hit him early and you have to hit him throughout the game. You have to get home with four against Carson Wentz. So Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, both of them have been playing out of their minds this year. So they have to continue to play at that high level, but it is going to be very challenging with Jason Peters and Lane Johnson. Everybody knows that they're as consistent 
as an offensive tackle as they come. So the defensive line is really going to have to step up in this game. So those will be two guys that I'll be watching and then how Mike Zimmer game plans for, for Carson Wentz. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, we made it all the way through, gentlemen, as always. Thanks for making this time. But before we get out of here, uh, Miles, uh, now that you're, you're back, feeling strong, feeling recovered, uh, is there anything we should be on the lookout for you? Any pods, any Twitter threads, anything that you can be doing that the folks should, uh, should keep an eye out for? Yeah, Flip, Flip and I are going to have a, our first guest on our fantasy pod. Uh, Matt Anderson, friend of the pod, friend of the show, friend of the, the website. Um, he's going to be joining us to talk fantasy, some buy, sell, or hold. I like candidate. that. I like that. And I'll be using it to uh, inform my trade strategy when, uh, you know, I, I've listened to it in the Dynasty League as we move forward. Uh, JR, what about you? I mean, we talked about a lot of the stuff you got going on, but uh, you mentioned you were scouting some players. What's the next awesome article that we should be looking out for? Um, well, I have some stuff that I can't release right now, but we have a special thing going on with the draft network right now that we're going to probably announce here in the coming days that we're really excited about. So be on the lookout for that. Also, of course, scouting reports are going up daily on the draft network as well. So of course, be on the lookout for that. The new Josh and Jordan podcast is up. Be on the lookout for that. And also, of course, you already heard the announcement about Locked On College Football and the first episode is already up with that so go check out all of those things boom well there it is that is it and uh we've made it to the end so as always gentlemen like i said thanks for coming on listeners thanks for sticking with us if you like what you heard you like what we're doing head on over to wherever you listen to your podcast give us a, a review give us a rating whatever you feel that we deserve if it's a five star thank you if it's not feel free to leave us some feedback so we know what we can do better for you the next time and if you like it, uh, you know, tell a friend to listen to. Get them to subscribe so they can also enjoy the goodness. And uh, that's it. That's all. We will talk to you soon. Have a good one. <laughs>